first of all, you have to realize this is a pretty serious situation. The one who gets injured from this, who feels betrayed or abandoned uh, by the deception, they're very aware of how hurtful this is. The one who did the deceiving, they often uh, see it as protecting their own butt. Have you been wondering how to break free from the affair once and for all? Now's the time to take back your life, your emotions, find happiness, joy, and fulfillment with your marriage. HealingBrokenTrust.com is the place where you can find resources to take the healing journey to the next level. You'll find incredible resources for every stage of your affair recovery journey. Connect with our team of qualified affair recovery therapists who stay current with the ever-growing, ever-changing affair recovery research that's available to help you heal wherever you are in the process. Take our home study course focused on helping you communicate and express yourself in a way that gets you what you want. You can also book an incredible one-on-one intensive retreat where instead of dragging out the pain over months or years, you can condense the time it takes to heal in just a matter of days using scientifically proven methods that work to help couples lower their guard, let go of the fear, melt the anger, and experience each other at a deep emotional level you may have never experienced before. So what are you waiting for? Go to HealingBrokenTrust.com. Welcome to Healing Broken Trust Podcast with Brad and Morgan Robinson. Today we're talking about a very interesting topic, um, this notion of financial infidelity. We've had several people ask about it, several people who have mentioned that this is a a real issue in their relationship and they want us to discuss it on this podcast. So we are, um, we're excited to talk about this concept of financial infidelity and, uh, Brad, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Yeah. Morgan, financial infidelity is still a betrayal. It's still a relationship injury and it can be pretty serious. Some examples of financial infidelity would be things like uh, having a credit card behind your spouse's back, having a business and taking money out of the business and spending it on frivolous things or other things that your spouse doesn't know about. It would be stealing from your job uh, to help support your family or to give them you know, kind of more of a better uh, lifestyle that they have, uh, but they would have no idea what you're doing. And also just... Basically, just doing all these things behind your spouse's back. It's uh, it's not always about throwing your spouse under the bus intentionally. Sometimes it's about doing things that you feel like your spouse is holding you back from doing. So I'm going to go take this money and invest it over here, get a quick return on it, and then do you know this or that with it. But I'm doing this because I think my spouse is going to hold me back from being able to do it. They're going to say no. And often individuals who uh, can get into this trouble, they think, I've got to do this because I know better, I have inside information or knowledge, or I know something that my spouse doesn't know, so I've got to act to do this. Because if they know, they're going to tell me no. Your spouse will just say, hey, don't do that. That's, you know, we can wait, we can be patient, you know, we'll save, it'll take a little longer. And sometimes people do this because they, you know, poor spending habits, you know, not budgeting, not really saving, poor spending habits, and they've got a lot of debt or 
uh, spending that their spouse doesn't know anything about. Yeah, it's very interesting. And something as you were talking that came to mind for me too was how easy it can be to fall into the trap of financial infidelity. For example, I um, was on the phone with our our bank and they said, um, I was actually opening accounts that we knew about together. And they said, oh, well, we'll just send you this credit card. Don't worry. You didn't sign the last one. Oh, it, it got expired or something like that. Let's just send you another one. You'll find it in the mail. And he didn't give me any option. I was like, well, okay. So we got this card that came in the mail. Well, I'm not planning to use it, but if I were tempted to use it, you know, that's a good slippery slope. You know what I mean? That, you know, it's not always intentional, but, um, but I want to also talk about the other side of the coin where sometimes I think people are afraid, you know, to really trust their spouse. And so maybe when they get married, they don't combine their accounts or they don't necessarily give their spouse access to that part of their life. And they don't necessarily see it as a, as a problem or as a, you know, not allowing their spouse in on that part of their life. But in a sense, they're living two separate lives financially. And what do you think about that, Brad? What are some thoughts that you have on that? What are my thoughts on what part exactly? The living kind of two separate lives financially where they're just, you know, they, they haven't necessarily let their spouse in on that for whatever reason. Maybe they're afraid that they um, can't trust their spouse or maybe they are afraid that, you know, if they were to separate that they would be, you know, taken for all their worth, you know, or, or whatever that their spouse would steal from them or they wouldn't have the financial freedom that they had hoped for or wanted you know, for whatever reason, how important do you think it is for spouses to combine finances? How important is that? Does it matter? Yeah, that's a good question, Morgan. To be honest with you, this doesn't come up that often with couples that I work with. But I would say, you know, there's kind of an ideal perspective. Ideally, you're going to share the same bank account, same finances. You know, you're going to communicate on finances. You discuss that. I don't think it necessarily means a relationship's in trouble if they don't, but it may be a warning sign that, you know, they haven't fully trusted each other yet. If there's something deeper than just the finances. Yeah. And part of, you know, when we first got married, we had separate accounts for maybe the first year, I think. And after we, I remember after we uh, had joint accounts, I remember thinking, man, I wish I would have done that a long time ago. Mm -hmm. So I think we paid off a car or paid off something or our finances immediately got better because we actually were sharing, you know, the same uh, accounts. So yeah, and I don't. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. I know that we had separate accounts, you know, because we came to the marriage with separate accounts and we kept them for a while because we wanted to do like spending money where I was able to go get something that I wanted and you can get something that you wanted. But I thought we had a joint account pretty early on. Yeah, within the within the first year, you. Uh, after Morgan, we got married right after Morgan got out of college, graduated from college, and so she didn't have a job yet, and so that's part of it, I think, mm-hmm. is when, you know, you kept your money for more, kind of uh, spending the money, yeah, and kind of what I did was more paying the bills and everything else, so that's why we had it split. Yeah, and I feel like there was never a time I felt like we, I didn't have access to yours, and I don't think you ever felt like you didn't have access to mine. No. No. So I think it's when a spouse feels like they don't have complete access to parts 
of their spouse's world, right? Yeah. It, it's a mystery. Parts of them are a mystery, and the financial side is is a mystery, you know. And I think that's when people get into some trouble. Is they they they're afraid to open up parts of themselves to their spouse for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you know. They can't be vulnerable with that part of their of their life or their world, and um, and I think that's. In, in my opinion, this may just be, you know, non not founded at all, but it's it's almost like they're uh, they don't want to let their spouse in on that particular thing, whatever it is. In the back of their mind, they're like, okay, uh, if I open up that part of myself, then I could be I could get into trouble. Learning yeah. to trust. Yeah. And so you're right. It is risky to trust somebody, not just emotionally, but in a very practical way with money. Yeah. finances and you know part of what you're saying Morgan is not everybody who experiences financial infidelity quote unquote is going to you know end up feeling very wounded mm. and it's because it's more in the eye of the beholder it's more about expectations and if you have an expectation that we're always going to be open about finances and share and then you find out your spouse is hiding things behind your back that's probably going to feel more like a betrayal Absolutely. than if you don't really have an expectation about that. And so it's really more about each individual's expectations. And and this is really important because I've seen so many people who've been, you know, gotten an injury and injuries are really about, are really all in the eye of the beholder. It's more about, I'm expecting you to be there for me, you know, in a scenario or in this, you know, in this situation and when you're not, that's when I get hurt. The next person may not feel that way. And just on the broader subject of infidelity, there's some people who have uh, open marriages and uh, open relationship where they will allow their spouse to date someone else and sleep with them. Or maybe they will both sleep with the same person, you know, together. Most people would describe that as infidelity, but those in an open relationship, their expectation is, is that's okay. So they don't walk away feeling betrayed from that. If that expectation there is that we're going to be faithful to each other and marriage is about... Monogamy. Monogamy. We're the only ones who are going to have sex with each other. That is going to be a big wound. But if you don't have that expectation, if you believe that people are basically wild animals that are going to just want to sleep with... Mate and sleep. You're not going to feel the same wound. But where the clients that I've had who've experienced that, where who do have open marriages, you do have open marriages where they end up feeling betrayed is when somebody falls in love with somebody that they've uh, slept with, or had a romantic had a romantic relationship with, or an emotional connection kind of thing. Yeah, an emotional connection with them, and that's usually how I've come across people who had an open relationship. Is one of them fell in love with somebody they were sleeping with. So their expectations were obviously different than the general public, but they, uh, whatever their expectation was, you won't fall in love with that person. It'll just be casual sex or whatever. Mm-hmm. That was violated, and then and then it feels like betrayal to them. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, because that's the expectation is it'll just be for sex. We'll have a good time. We'll drink. You know, they're good friends, but we're not going to get emotionally involved. You know, and then when they got emotionally involved, that's when it felt like betrayal. Because sometimes when these people get emotionally involved, I mean, they really get emotionally involved. 
It's not just they're talking to him on the phone. It's a full-blown affair really starts. Okay. The emotional impact of it all. Okay, so that's probably a topic for another time. Yeah, that's a, that's a different topic for another time. But really, that's just an, an example talking about how these expectations can vary from one couple to another. Yes. Uh, some couples have a belief, you know, we're not going to look at pornography. If one of them looks at pornography and that's their expectation, it can really feel like a betrayal, just like they were looking at or having a full-blown affair. Uh, other individuals who don't have that view on pornography don't get hurt the same way. You know, they're not as injured. They don't feel the same depth of betrayal. And so it's, I'm, what I'm trying to say is, is you need to examine your own marriage and your own situation with your partner. And if you've kind of been dismissing their hurt or their pain, thinking they're crazy, it's probably because your expectation and theirs are completely different. Right. And we're not saying that pornography doesn't hurt people, but we are saying that it's the expectation yeah. that's there. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. It's I'm just using this as an example to describe expectations. When they're broken, it's when people get injured. And it's because there's an expectation that you're going to be there for me in a time of need. And when you're not there for me, that's when I get broken. In this particular way. Yeah. And these injuries, these relationship injuries, you know, there's an expectation that you're going to be there for me. And when you're not there... I feel abandoned, I feel betrayed, I feel deserted. Often, it's a very traumatic experience for individuals. And we decide, you know what, it might be better to kind of be on my own emotionally than to keep relying on you emotionally. So then usually, the person who gets betrayed or abandoned or deserted emotionally, uh, maybe even physically, they just kind of retreat and pull back from the relationship they withdraw. And, And so financial infidelity... It may be like, yeah, I spent some money and I just bought uh, some stuff for the business, didn't run it by my my partner or my spouse. But for them, it may mean be a big deal. And it's not always just because they're very controlling individuals. Uh, maybe they are, but often it's more than that. And so you've got to have this good, open communication with that. It could work the other way. Whenever they're whenever they're saying, you know, I can't let you in on this or whatever, and maybe they've been burned before financially by someone they cared for or cared for their thought cared for them, and so then they they want to pull away some of that, and they just have a hard time opening up and and letting their spouse into that place. But anyways, that, that sounded very interesting. So so Brad, let's talk about what we can do if we've fallen into financial infidelity. What are some things that well, first of all, what causes this financial infidelity? We've sort of hinted on it. We've talked about it. You well, know, it's an attachment injury. Yeah, I think it's a good question, Morgan. I think it depends on, I think the cause of financial infidelity is as different as every scenario. I think there's some general themes that you could pull out. Part of it is, I don't trust you with our money. I think you are a terrible spender. You don't save. So I've got to hide stuff from you so that we save. I think there's that. You know, it's almost like I got to take control because you're going to burn the ship unless I do it. So I got to take control of this. And then there is, you know, financial infidelity of I am stealing things from someone else to provide a lifestyle for us. I've run across that, and that's obviously very dangerous. Another reason for financial infidelity would be I don't feel like I can really talk to you about things. You know, our communication is terrible. Our communication isn't any good, so I don't feel like I can go to you and talk about stuff. Mm. I'm going to keep stuff from you. 
So that's that's one. And another, you know, Morgan, back to the negative cycle thing. You know, the negative cycle is going to really show up uh, in situations like this. The withdrawer, the one who tends to hold in more, most of the time is probably going to be the one who commits financial infidelity because they're they're the one who usually hides things. They're the one who does stuff to avoid conflict most often. And so you're going to see them most likely be the one who contributes or does financial infidelity. Most financial infidelity that I've worked with has been around when someone thinks that they're going to be divorcing soon. They'll take their spouse off of life insurance. They will maybe get their spouse taken out of the business. They will do different things like that just to get their spouse off the paperwork. Uh, hide assets, hide money, take, you know, transfer money over you know, different bank accounts. Sometimes it can get pretty elaborate where they'll start it years in advance. Wow. And so it just it just varies. That's that's incredible. Yeah, I was wondering about how likely um, just financial infidelity itself will lead to divorce, how likely it is to lead to divorce. I think most people who do that scenario clearly think they're headed for divorce or it's likely it's going to happen. And sometimes they're pretty bitter individuals. Mm-hmm. You know, they're pretty upset and pretty bitter about things that have that may have transpired in their marriage. So if you've found that your relationship has financial infidelity, that you are experiencing it or you've committed it, what are some things that you can do to heal the relationship or sort of come back from this issue, this financial infidelity? Okay. I think there's several things you can do. I think, first of all, you have to realize this is a pretty serious situation. The one who gets injured from this, who feels betrayed or abandoned uh, by the deception, they're very aware of how hurtful this is. The one who did the deceiving, they often uh, see it as protecting their own butt. It's almost like it's a necessary thing that they have to do. I've got to do this because I can't trust you. You're, maybe you're not any good with money or we are going to be divorcing. Or if you don't see me as a high roller with a lot of money, then you may not like me anymore. You know, those They might be attached to a certain lifestyle. They mm-hmm. are kind of addicted to mm-hmm. clothes or addicted to shoes or addicted to something that they just really want that their spouse, they are afraid their spouse will say no to. Mm-hmm. But I would say those things are still extremely hurtful. They're still pretty serious and they're extremely hurtful. So how do you heal from this kind of thing? I think, first of all, you've got to deal with the negative cycle. You just have to uh, you have to deal with it. That's always the starting point in working through betrayal and broken trust. Even you know emotional or sexual infidelity, you've got to start with the negative cycle um, because that's often what got us to that point. In those situations, people often don't feel very close to their spouse or feel like they can share everything fully. And so you've got to deal with that negative cycle so that you can begin to heal and begin to get out of this rut. Because things like infidelity, you know, whether it's financial, sexual, emotional, you know, infidelity, you know, it's always pretty serious, but it will keep you in your relationship down and stuck in a negative cycle until that's dealt with. And I would imagine it'd be Until very, the negative cycles dealt with. I imagine it'd be very hard to have intimacy too, because it's like saying, "I'll trust you with everything else, but this," mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it's kind of like the last part of your heart that you haven't given away yet. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. It's kind of like I'm holding back this part of me. <laughs> you know, there's a good point there, Morgan. Like if we hold back our heart, excuse me, our our pocketbook with our spouse, and we're hiding things from them, 
you know, if we're really hiding our pocketbook, how much have we really given them of our heart? You know, so that sometimes that that financial piece, that's kind of a reflection of, you know, have we really become one with each other? Mm-hmm. You know, do we really trust each other yet? So if I can, you know, trust you with my pocketbook, then most likely I also trust you with my heart. Yeah. You know, not always, but I think it's maybe a good indication if, if uh, we don't trust our spouse with our uh, pocketbook, it may mean we haven't trusted them yet completely with our heart as well. Right. So what you're saying here, I think, is really important because it's not really something that you can just go to Dave Ramsey and, you know, sign up for Financial Peace University. I mean, that's really, really good. That's good stuff. I but are, I think those are good steps to help you get there. Right. They can be helpful. They can be very helpful. But it's this negative cycle. What are you holding on to? What are you not sharing? You know, why are you not sharing this? Are you afraid of closeness? Are you afraid of, you know, really, truly opening up and being vulnerable with your spouse? And, and then, you know, if that's, you work through that, that negative cycle, then something like Dave Ramsey could really be great. And another thing that we've recently uh, learned about is profit first, right? That's another um, option for, um, for managing your money, right? Brad, have have you liked that? Yeah, I thought that it's a good book. I don't remember the author's full name, but uh, Profit First by Mike Mowowski or something like that. Yeah. It's a good book, and it's mainly for um, kind of small business owners, but it's a very good book. It's but, really worked well for us so far. Yeah. Uh, so what you want to do with financial infidelity and getting over this is you've got to deal with the negative cycle. That's your that's your starting point. Because when you work on the negative cycle, you're working on the communication aspect of your relationship, the emotional safety aspect of your relationship. And that will allow you to address the deeper hurts. But to get to that point of the deeper hurt, you've got the person who gets betrayed from this financial infidelity, they've also got to express their hurt about it. And they've got to express it in a really meaningful way so that the one who was unfaithful, I guess, financially can truly understand how much hurt is there because people do not get past hurt until they feel like the one who hurt them totally understands it. So they, you've got to feel like if you're going to get past this, they understand it. And if you've hurt them, you need to try to work really hard to try to understand uh, their hurt because, you know, we're, we're working towards not just forgiveness, but something deeper than forgiveness. And that's letting them back in again after you've been betrayed. That post-traumatic growth. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens when we really have an organic, truthful experience of the hurt being expressed and then us understanding it, there's a few things that happen naturally. We begin to hurt for our spouse when we know they're hurting. And we begin to understand it better. We begin to, you know, we want to start being there for them because we understand what kind of hurt they're in. And we don't just see them crying or, you know, sad around the house. It's been expressed to us, and then we feel it in our we feel it physically in our body. And because of that, we want to take action to alleviate that anguish that they're feeling. And so what happens uh, sometimes almost organically is there's an acknowledgement that, you know what, gosh, you really have a right to feel this way. Before, I thought it was silly because, you know, X, Y, Z. Uh, if you have that mindset, like, gosh, you know, I always thought you were just silly in what you're saying, you're not going to be able to really get past this. And so there has to be an acknowledgement by the one who committed the financial infidelity about 
you have a right to feel this way. There has to be real genuine remorse there. There has to be an ownership or responsibility taken. Like, you know what? I put us here. I'm going to help us get out of this. I'm going to take ownership of it. I'm so sorry that I did this. Yeah, I'm sorry that I did this. You have to care about their pain, and you have to be there to help them heal. You know, you have to be patient with them when they ask for reassurance. You have to be there to help them heal. You have to be transparent. You have to be honest. Because usually things, Morgan, usually the thing that hurts the most about this stuff is really just the actual line and the deception. It's not really, I mean, yes, it hurt that you went out and you did this, but you lied about it, you know, for so long. And you kept this from me. What else are you keeping from me? Right. You know, and so that's that's a big deal. The other thing, Morgan, I'll just add to this is if you're going to be there to help them heal and you're remorseful and you care, you got to, this is really important. I kind of just blew through this a second ago, but you really got to care about their pain. And what that means is you, you're not getting angry and defensive. Uh, I've worked with people where their spouse talks about their pain and they are so hesitant to talk about any hurts or show any sort of vulnerability because when they do, their spouse gets so defensive. And when you do that, when you get really defensive and when you get really angry like that, where your spouse feels like they can't share with you how they're truly feeling, you're shooting yourself in the foot because they're thinking that you're hiding something. And you may be, you know, but your spouse is thinking that you're hiding something. But if you're actually open and transparent and sorry and you don't get angry and upset, um, you're actually going to help your spouse heal this and work through this much easier. I just had a situation, you know, in the last six months where there was a husband who was listening to his wife talk about these hurts that he had. And then out of the blue, he just gets really defensive and angry. So she was mentioning the hurts that she noticed in him? Just the things that he had done that hurt her. And he gets really angry all of a sudden. Mm. And my first reaction is, is what is this guy hiding? Because I don't work with people that often who get that angry. And when they do get angry and upset like that, my first instinct is, you know, what are they hiding? What else is here that that their spouse doesn't know about that I don't know about? Because that is almost such a ridiculous uh, reaction, response to somebody expressing pain and hurt. I don't know everything going on, but my first reaction is, hmm, I wonder if there's more here. Because previous times when I've seen people get angry and defensive like that, there's typically been more there, mm-hmm. more often than not. So your spouse needs to know your pain, that you feel for them, that you're taking ownership, and that you're remorseful for what you've done. Uh, then they can begin to heal because they feel like you're safe. People get stuck in this, and this crap can linger for years, and that turns into decades because people do not feel safe emotionally. So you got to get the right help. And you know, something that's interesting too that I want to point out is you can, like I mentioned earlier, do the Dave Ramsey thing. But if you're stuck in a negative cycle and you have deeper rooted communication problems in that way, it's going to be very hard to do a plan, to work a plan like a Dave Ramsey plan or a profit first plan. It's going to be very hard to do that because first of all, you don't trust each other. Second of all, you probably have terrible communication, so you're not going to be able to really talk through these things and stay on the same page, you know, if you don't know how to do that. So 
really, you've got to work on these deeper issues before you can throw a solution at it because you won't be able to work the solution together anyways. So definitely, what do you have to say? Yeah, or at the very least in conjunction where you're working through Dave Ramsey or the Prophet First book, you're doing it together. Uh, Working on your relationship in the negative cycle uh, because sometimes you have to do both. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we would definitely advocate for both for sure. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. I think that's what we have to say for today. If you have questions or you have comments or you'd like to learn more about how we can work together to help you through these tough, tough sections in your marriage, check out healingbrokentrust.com for more information on how to work with us. All right. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healing Broken Trust podcast. Are you ready to take the next step? Go to HealingBrokenTrust.com and schedule your one-on-one coaching call today. That's HealingBrokenTrust.com.